You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Today we're concluding. We've been uh, the last two weeks. This is the third week where we've been talking about this concept of don't drink the poison. This morning we want to look at one more biblical illustration of what happens when we drink the poison of offense. But before we get to that story in Luke 15, I want to do a little review. You know, d- during the summer, people are out on vacation, so maybe you missed one or two of the prior sermons coming up to this, or maybe you've been here for both and you just need to be reminded of some of the things we've talked about. So in this series, Don't Drink the Poison, let's talk about, that means we're going to interact, right? Shake your head like this, you're with me. That means we're going to interact this morning Let's talk about a few of the things that we've learned thus far in this series about don't drink the poison. (laughs) Silence means that I haven't done a very good job. (laughs) We're just going to start, we're going to go back two weeks and we're going to start over. So I think the first thing I would say that's really important is that you, you will be offended. Okay? We talked about offense naturally happens. Well, you're going to get hurt. If you have your relationships, someone's going to do something wrong or say something wrong. Why? Because none of us are perfect. Are you with me? So what? It's, most of the time it's not intentional, but the reality is, is offense happens. So I think the first thing we need to understand that offense is natural. It's not unnatural. We're emotional beings, right? And when someone says something wrong or does something wrong, the natural response is we are hurt. We're wounded. So I think the first thing we would wanna just, I would want to remind you of is that offense is natural. It will happen, even in this church family. Uh, I would ask this question, but I don't know if I'm brave enough to ask the question. You don't have to raise your hand to this, but how many of you would say you've been offended within this church family? Again, don't raise your hand, but it it happens. Because again, we're just trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus together as messed up as we are. I think a a second thing that, that we discovered in this is that you will be offended, but you don't have to live offended. You will be offended... But you don't have to live offended. Every time offense happens, you have a choice to make, right? And the choice is is whether I'm going to live offended or not. So you will be offended. It's natural, but you have a choice to make. Will you live offended or, or not? I think a third thing we discovered in this series is that when, when we choose to live offended, it does this. It seeds bitterness into our soul. You ever been around someone who's just like cranky and cynical all the time most likely it's something somewhere along the way that happened to them that seeded a point of bitterness in their soul and now what's happened they're living that out they seeded something in their lives that's now bearing fruit in their lives so when we choose to live offended we see this bitterness in our lives that results in hatred and animosity and cynicism i think another thing we we learned in this series is is that when we choose to drink the poison when we choose to live offended this is the this is what happens it wrecks relationships how many of you would be honest enough to say that you've experienced a wreck relationship as a result of offense 
should be everyone in the room. If not, you're saying I'm perfect. But we, it, that's, the, that's how this plays out, is we end up with, with torn relationships, broken relationships. And when, we also learn that when we, when we choose to drink the poison of offense, we are the ones that suffer, not the offender. Like we're drinking the poison and it, it's, what, it's, it's affecting us. It's not so much affecting them. So the best path of action we discovered is what? Don't drink the poison. Remember, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, don't drink the poison. It seems like a no-brainer, right? If someone handed you a bottle that had the, the, the skull and the crossbones on it signifying that the substance is poison, if someone handed you a bottle, you wouldn't drink it, would you? Like, No. But oftentimes what happens, even in this body of believers, is we drink the poison. So we can choose not to live offended. We can choose, so to speak, to have thick skin rather than thin skin. We can choose to pass on blessing instead of judgment. See, if a person does something that has the potential to offend us, God holds us responsible for whether or not that offense takes root in our minds and in our hearts. We can let it sink into our souls and take root, or we can choose to let it go. We can choose to become bitter, or we can choose to move forward free of baggage. But really important that we understand, if someone offends us, if someone wrongs us, then God holds us responsible, God holds me responsible for how I respond to that. God will hold others responsible for their behavior, but he holds us responsible for what we allow to go on inside our minds and our hearts. If you remember from the first Sunday, we looked at a passage of Scripture in Hebrews twelve fifteen, where the Scripture, going back to the literal Greek, it, it actually reads like this, you are the bishop of your heart and soul. You're the overseer. You're the episkopos. That's the Greek word there. You're the episkopos. You're the overseer of your heart. And so, meaning this, you have a responsibility to control and direct and guard your heart and your mind. So God's going to hold others responsible for what they do or say to you, but he's going to hold you responsible for how you respond to that point or that place of offense. I mean, we all know this. We're not able to control what others do or say, but we can always control what? How we respond. So what does God hold us responsible for? How we respond to what happens to us. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told where the older brother, the older brother, as I read this story, the older brother drank the poison. And from this parable, we're going to discover what happens when you drink the poison of offense, how it plays out, and then we're going to discover some actions we can take to guard our hearts and minds from the poison of offense. So we're going to learn some strategy as to how we can proactively confront offense when it comes our way. In the parable here in Luke 15, the main story of this parable is about the younger brother. I think probably most of you have heard or are familiar with the parable of the prodigal son. So kind of the focus of the story is the younger brother um, who made some poor choices. And this morning, we're not going to so much focus on the younger brother. I want us to focus on the older brother. Because I think it's the older brother who drank the poison. It's the older brother who chose to be offended. 
And we're going to see how that see how that plays out. So let me just summarize the first part of the story. Then I want to pick up the story in verse 25. As Jesus tells this parable, there's a father who has two sons. The younger of the sons comes to his father and he says, Dad, hey, give me my inheritance. Give me what is mine. I, want to, I don't want to wait until you die. I don't want to wait until you kick the bucket. I want it now. And what's interesting is the father gives him what he asked for. He gives him his inheritance. And the scripture says, in quick summary, that this younger son goes out and he wastes the inheritance on wild and riotous living, whatever that might be. Just kind of let your mind run wild. You have an irresponsible 18, 19-year-old who all of a sudden has more money than they should have, and they go out and waste it on wild and riotous living. And he comes to a place where he has nothing. There's a famine in the land. The only job he can land is taking care of the pigs. So he's out feeding the pigs. So think about this. A Jew and a pig, they like those two don't go together. Yet he finds himself in this horrible place. He's lost everything, struggling with his own failure, struggling with his own choices. And the scripture says that he came to his senses. He says, hey, my, my father's servants have better than us. So the younger son makes his way back to the father. And it's a beautiful picture of God's love for us in the midst of our failure. The father sees the son in a, in a distance coming home and he runs to him. And, you know, there's the robe on his back there's the ring on his finger there's the sandals on his feet there's this point of celebration why because his son that was lost has now come home his son that was lost has been found everybody's celebrating but the older brother so let's pick it up in verse 25 luke chapter 15 verse 25 and meanwhile the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Notice verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. In other words, he's pouting. I know none of you would never pout, but he's pouting, right? I mean, he's got him a little pout going on here. Um, I lost where I was at. Oh, verse 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never, notice that, I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice not his brother, but this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. In other words, he's saying, this is not fair. Foul. This is unjust. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In this parable... We see the wonder of God's grace that restores the one who's rebellious, the one who chose his own way, being the younger son. We see failure being redeemed. We see sonship being restored. That's the good news. But also, in the elder brother, we see the destructive nature of what happens when we choose to be offended. What happens when we choose to 
to live offended. Now within this story Jesus told, I think it's important for us to note that it was the older brother who remained faithful. Right? He didn't leave. It was the older brother who, who stayed focused. It was the older brother who was responsible and continued to work. The older brother is the one who did what was right but ended up wrong because of the path that he chose, the path of offense. Listen, friends, it's possible for you to be right but be wrong. It's possible for you to be right in the marriage relationship yet be wrong. To be right in a situation yet be wrong. I mean, that's what we see in the story. The older brother never left. He did what was right, yet he ended up wrong. And it was all because of this. He drank the poison. So I want you to notice some of the detrimental effects of the older brother's offense. Because what I've discovered is that when we choose to be offended, we experience or we allow the same emotional responses that we see playing out in this parable this story that jesus told so so notice what happened in the older brother as a result of his choice to be offended to live offended first his offense caused him to be judgmental and bitter the return of his younger brother should have been an occasion for celebration like for for months maybe years they were wondering about the whereabouts of the younger brother they were wondering about his well-being So as the younger brother returns, there should have been like relief, there should have been excitement, but the older brother couldn't celebrate. Why? Because he was offended. And his offense made him judgmental and bitter. He was angry at his father because his father was responding to his brother who had been irresponsible. And he was angry at his younger brother because his younger brother was getting a party when he deserved punishment. Like he became judgmental. He's like, this is not fair. And I think we experience exactly what the older brother experienced when we choose to be offended. We become judgmental of others. And what do we do? We focus on their faults. We focus on how wrong they are. All we can see is the wrong in their lives. We become, we become judgmental. And then for the older brother, notice what happens as this story plays out. His offense then distorts his perspective. Notice verse 29. The older brother says to the father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Like, really? He's never disobeyed his dad? He's always got everything right? Really? I don't think so. I mean, like that would be you saying you always obeyed your parents. How many of you know that didn't happen? We could talk about that for a while. But but notice the perspective that the older brother has now because of the offense. I am perfect and obviously my younger brother is so messed up. And then he says, you know, I've been slaving for you. The reality is he was slaving for himself because in Jewish culture, it was the older brother who got the greater part of the inheritance, right? So what he was working for was what he was going to eventually inherit, what was going to become his. But but his perspective has become so distorted. Same thing happens in our life. When, When we choose to be offended... It's like we magnify the faults and failures of others while minimizing any role that we might have played 
and the problem. But our perspective becomes distorted. And then it enslaves us. As you look on in this story, we see the older brother. The older brother's offense caused him to be self-consumed rather than others-focused. The story all of a sudden becomes all about him. Like, why was he not getting a party? Why was he not being celebrated? What about his faithfulness through the years? He was so focused on what he was not getting that he couldn't celebrate his brother's return. Again, I think the same thing happens. Again, don't separate yourself from the story. Bring yourself into the story. Because I think the same thing happens in our lives when we choose to live offended. We can see all the ways we're right and all the ways that others are wrong. We focus on what we deserve and and we don't consider the well-being of others. We become consumed with what we want and we demand our rights. And when we're offended, we become self-centered. We become self-focused. It becomes becomes all all about us. And as we look on in this story, what we discover is that it's the older brother's offense that resulted in this, a relational breakdown. There, there was a relational breakdown with, with his father, and there was a relational breakdown with his brother. There's this tension in the family all because of offense. Somebody got offended. Now there's this relational tension. And what, what I find interesting in the story, although it's the older brother who didn't leave, it was the older brother who stayed, who was focused, who was faithful. At the end of the story, guess who's outside of the presence of the father? Father's in having the party with the younger son. Who's outside? It's the older brother. Again, why? Because of offense. We see this relational breakdown because the offense was not properly confronted and addressed. And again, same thing. Same thing plays out today. You've experienced it. Or you've watched it happen in the lives of others Marriages end because there was a wrong or there was an injury that became a place of unresolved offense. And because of the offense, the marriage relationship today is broken, wrecked. That's the root of the problem. It was offense. Now there's relational breakdown. Within families, maybe even your family today, there's families that can't even get in the same room together and celebrate a holiday because of a point of offense, what there's relational breakdown in, in families. Today you have, uh, maybe you don't refer to them like this, but this is what they are. They're past tense friends. How many of you have past tense friends? These are individuals that you used to be friends with, that you used to hang out with, that you used to have a fun time with. And now they're past tense friends because there was a there was a point of offense, there was an injury that happened, there was a hurt that happened that wasn't properly dealt with, and today they're not your present tense friends, they're your past tense friends, all because of offense, results in relational breakdown. What I have to tell you this morning is, is this, it's not God's plan. It's not God's plan that we have wrecked relationships today. It's not God's plan that we have unresolved poison, unresolved offense that eats within us and destroys relationships. So so how can you guard? How can you guard your heart and mind? Again, just because someone offends you, you, 
You don't have to live offended. Really quick, in a few minutes I have left, let me give you five ways that I think you can guard your heart and you can guard your mind. You can be the bishop, the overseer of your heart and your soul, guarding yourself from this poison of offense. The, the first is this. Choose to believe the best, not the worst in every situation. Have you noticed how our minds have a tendency to drift toward the worst? Is that just my problem or like something happens and, and, and like I don't even have to work to get there. It's just like my mind has this natural tendency to move toward believing the worst R- rather, rather than the best. So what? train yourself, train yourself t- to believe what's best. You know, there's an old saying that goes like this, you'll find what you look for, right? If you look for good, you'll find good. If you look for bad, you'll find bad. If you look for things to celebrate in others, you'll find it. If you look for reasons to be offended, you'll find that as well. So train yourself. Train yourself to believe the best, not the worst, in people and situations. And this is what will happen. It will save you a lot of emotional grief. Just choosing to to believe the best. And just this past week, there was a situation that played out, and someone came to me, and you know, folks have got offended, and uh, this is being said, and that's being said, and so as they were, it's like all the problems eventually rolled to me, and so they're in my office, and they're telling me this situation, and I said, I don't, I don't believe that. I said, I know who this individual is, and I know how they live, and I don't believe they would have said that. I said, let's get, to the, let's get to the root of this. Let's get to the bottom of this. But from the outset, I chose to what? Believe the best. So I, I just train yourself. Because again, you, you can train yourself to believe the worst. Or you can train yourself to believe the best. And if you choose to always first go to, I'm going to believe the best. It's going to save you. It's going to save you from these points and places of offense. Romans 12.10 says this, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. What does it look like to be devoted to one another in brotherly love? What does it look like to honor one another? I believe it means this. I choose to believe the best about Dana. I choose to believe the best about Mike. that's, That's a place of honor. So first and foremost, I think we can guard ourselves from this poison of offense simply by choosing to believe the best, not the worst in every situation. Here's the second way you can guard your heart and mind from offense. It's this. Keep pouring the poison out as you confront the root of offense in your own life. I'm going I'm I'm to keep pouring it out, pouring it out, pouring it out. You know, in every potential place of offense, you have a choice to make. Either you're going to drink the poison or you're going to pour it out. If you drink the poison of offense, then you've seeded bitterness in your heart and mind. If you pour it out, then you've made the choice to live free. So don't drink the poison. We're going to keep pouring it out. I mean, we're back to this truth. You cannot control what others say or do, but you can control how you respond. What are you going to do? I'm going to pour it out. We're just going to keep pouring the poison out. What an amazing, healthy body of believers we would be if we just kept pouring the poison out. Think about your workplace. Think about how healthy your workplace would be if there was no bickering or backbiting and everyone was just pouring the poison out. Wouldn't that be a dream job? 
I mean, like everybody would want to go to work there. We're just going to, we're going to keep pouring the poison out. Now, Ephesians 4.31 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of is the same as pour it out. Get rid of all bitterness. We're just going to keep pouring it out. How do we guard our heart and our soul from offense? We just keep pouring out the poison. Here's another way that you can guard your heart and mind from being offended. Leave room for what you don't know. How many of you would be honest enough to say that at some point in the past there was a situation that made you angry or offended and then you got the rest of the story and realized that you came to a wrong conclusion? Simply because you didn't have all the information. Yesterday, I'll tell a quick story on my wife. I don't know if she's here this morning. This could be dangerous. This could be a place of offense. But yesterday... We were watching the, the race, the NASCAR race, the Xfinity race, and we have a particular driver that we were watching, and he was leading the race. And another driver, we're like seven laps left, another driver um, pushed him, spun him, and he went from first to 30th, like that. And my wife, she was, she was hot. I'll say it that way. <laughs> We were having conversation about, and I was saying, well, I think he was trying to push him to, like, the victory. She said, no, no, he, 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 he wrecked him. I, I said, well, I, I thought this is the way I saw it. And, and then later we're online and we're, and we're reading some comments, and, and actually there's an interview from the driver who says, yeah, that guy was trying to help me push to the front. And now we had more information about the situation. Therefore, we could come to a better understanding of actually what was happening. But this is what I know. Oftentimes, 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 we get offended in the marriage. We get offended in the family. We get offended in the workplace. We get offended in the church place because we only have a part of the story, and we think we have the whole story. We don't have all the information. And we move to a place of offense with part of the story, with, with part of the information. Proverbs 19.11 says this, A man's wisdom gives him patience, and it's to his glory to overlook an offense. So as you apply a little wisdom and patience, you want to leave room for what you don't know. Because there may be more to the story that you're not, that you're not aware of. Hey, here's a fourth way that we can guard our heart and minds from this destructive force of offenses. Is practice letting it go rather than harboring the offense. Practice letting it go. How many of you know someone who's consistently cynical or negative? Don't look to the left or right, just straight ahead. <laughs> consistently. Now, what they might try to tell you is, I just have a tendency to be negative. In other words, they're saying, like, I was born that way, and I would say, absolutely not. They got to a place of being negative and being cynical because they practiced getting there. And now the bent of their life is negative. And that their tendency is to move toward that which is negative. They trained themselves to get there. They were not born that way. I'm sorry. God didn't, born, God didn't bring you forth to be negative. They practiced to get there. 
I believe in the same way. We can practice letting go rather than harboring, rather than holding on to the offense. You know, this word forgiveness, the Greek structure of the word literally means to, to let it go. But we're letting go. We're letting go of the offense. So don't hold on to it. Don't drink the poison. Make the choice that you're going to be um, what I call offend-proof. Offend-proof. Wouldn't it be great if we could all get to that place of being offend-proof, meaning this, that you can't offend me. I'm sorry. That's my choice. I, I choose not to be offended. I choose to live my life in such a way that you can't, you, you can't offend me. And we're, we're going to practice, we're, we're, going to pra- we're going to train ourselves to the place that we're just consistently letting it go, rather than harboring. That we might be offense-proof. Here's a final way that we can guard our heart and mind from offense. It's this, choose the high road of blessing. Choose the high road of blessing. You know, when someone wrongs you, injures you, hurts you, that results in a place of offense... There's one of two paths that you can take, right? There's the path of judgment or there's the path of blessing. Just remember that the next time someone offends you, probably going to happen maybe today or tomorrow, sometime this week, someone's going to offend you. Because again, it's the reality of the world we live in as we're processing relationship. When they offend you, understand you have one of two paths you can take from that point from that point in place of offense. You can choose the path of judgment. Like, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. That's that's the path of judgment. You created pain in my life. I'm going to create some pain in your life. I'm going to make you pay. That's the path of judgment. Or you can choose the path of blessing. That's what Joseph did, right? Remember the story from last week, Genesis 37? Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, created all this havoc in his life. And when the tables were turned, Joseph had an opportunity to settle the score. But rather than bringing judgment, what did he do? He brought blessing. He chose to bless his brothers. And I believe that each of us hold that power as we're living out relationship in marriage, in family in work, in church community, we can bring blessing instead of judgment. So when someone offends you, just say, hey, I'm going to choose the high road of blessing. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Or we might say, bless those who offend you. Bless and do not curse. It goes on to say in verse 17, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If, it's a, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everyone includes what? All of us in the room today. Live at peace with, with everyone. So choose the high road of blessing. And when you choose the high road of blessing, this is what you're doing. You're following following the model of Jesus. You're giving life to others. And you're opening your life in a greater way to God's blessing. So in every day, in every way, choose. Choose the high road of blessing. 
So may, may we be those. May this be the statement of our lives. May we be those who receive God's grace freely, bringing freedom for our lives and giving grace freely to others, bringing freedom for their lives. So here's the conclusion. I've said it a dozen times, a dozen different ways. You will be offended. If you hang out with me long enough, I will offend you. Listen, I've been doing this long enough to know it happens. It won't be intentional, but it'll happen. So listen, you will be offended. But here's the good news. You don't have to live offended. You don't have to drink the poison. And every day, every day we can pour it out. So can we just agree this morning that that we're going to be a group of people who are doing life together who are choosing to pour out the poison? Mavit, turn to your neighbor and say, I choose to pour out the poison. That's our confession this morning. To, To one another and before God. Now what I know is we need the Holy Spirit to help us to do it. Right? So let's pray about it. Lord, I thank you today. Lord, for your grace to us. Lord, for all of us can certainly identify with the younger brother who went out and just made a mess of his life. And there was grace that restored. God, we're grateful for that grace. Lord, I think in this parable we can also identify with the older brother who didn't leave, who was faithful. Yet there was this judgmental spirit Lord he he couldn't celebrate he couldn't be excited because he was angry and and the anger came as a result of the offense Lord we can also identify with the elder brother but Lord today the choice we're making is we're going to pour out the poison Lord there was an agreement throughout the room we're going to pour out the poison so Holy Spirit what I know is we need help with that Sometimes in the marriage relationship, there's just like wrong words spoken and there's offense. And Lord, in those places, Holy Spirit, help us to pour out the poison. In those family dynamics where there's someone who acts in a wrong way, Holy Spirit, help us to pour out the poison. Again, we can't control what others say or do, but we can always control how we respond. Holy Spirit, Coach, we're asking you to help us in this role of being the bishop, the overseer of our souls. May we choose to live our lives in such a way that we're offense-proof. Oh Lord, in that, what I know, we're going to have healthier marriages, healthier families, healthier church, healthier community. Lord, every day, again, help us be those who pour out the poison. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.